As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're listening to the Wild 7 Podcast Network. Listen different. Come on, whiz. Whiz, Stacy, whiz. Whiz. Stacy, whiz. Come on, Stacy, whiz. We don't have all day. I need you to whiz. Come on, Stacy, whiz. Let's go, Charlie. Come on, Charlie. Go poopy. Go poopy, Charlie. Charlie, come on. Let's go poopy. Come on. Do it for Daddy, Charlie. Go poopy. Come on, let's go poopy, and then we can finally go back inside. Come on, Charlie, go poopy. Good girl. boy. That's a good poopy. I yeah. Oh, 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 hi there. Yeah. Oh, yes. isn't she adorable? Yes. Oh, I, no. Oh, no. Oh, is, she's is she very friendly? friendly. Is your oh, dog yes, my friendly? dog is friendly. Can they oh, meet? Good. Let's, well, let's have, them, have meet. them meet. Oh, my God. No, no. Alex Rogers. 
Episode 39, Truth Door. Psst. Psst. Yeah, you. Hey, come here. Hey, listener. Come here, listener. I want to talk to you. I want to say something really intimate. Welcome back, my fine, phenomenal, fantastic, freaky friends. This is Alex Rogers, recording and reporting from a timeless zone in which your listening is the now. Well, here we are. Back in the USR. What? He just messed up every song that ever was made. Well, anyway. My friends, it's good to have you back. And I hope it's good to have me back. Because uh, we're just going to proceed here with what's going on. And I'm sorry if I sound a bit out of it. It has been been one exhausting week. And there are many exhausting weeks to come. However... This is a well-earned exhaustion. You know, sometimes you get exhausted because there's someone who's taxing your energy and talking your ear off and you're stuck in some professional and or domestic situation where you're like, I'm just exhausted. (laughs) And then sometimes you've been walking all day long, running all day long, and your body's tuckered out and you're like, I'm exhausted. Exhausted. And then sometimes you lay down the work for something that nobody asked of you, except for, of course, your wonderful, collaborative, creative friends. But um, no boss told me to do this, and uh, no administration advised me to do this. But there's a fun thing coming out, my friends, and I wanted to let you know about it today. Uh, A new chapter of audio excitement is opening up here on the Wild 7 Podcast Network. And uh, I'm pleased to announce that uh, basically starting this week onwards, you can tune into a new show which you've been hearing about ever since you were listening to my show. Because I've been talking about this show in the ending credits of every episode. But you may have thought to yourself, well, where is this show of which he speaks? And the show of which I spoke is Storyscapes. Now, Storyscapes, my friends, is um, something I've been wanting to do for the longest time. And thank goodness the minds of Wild 7 are simpatico with mine. And uh, Mr. Chris Trull our fearless engineer. He's sometimes known as Silent Chris on uh, the Wild 7 podcast. Isn't that right, Silent Chris? Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, he... Excuse me, folks. Also, my voice is going, Really? You want me to keep on working? Yes, I'm afraid we have to lay down that vocal track, baby. 
but the voice is a little wonky because I've been doing a lot of narration. Um, so yes, Chris Trull is producing uh, these uh, this series now, and I am the narrator. And storyscapes are quite simply uh, little audiobook projects that we've been putting together. And these are short stories. They're all uh, within the public domain, and many of them are by authors you've heard of. And even if you haven't heard of them, you're in for some good writing. And I have always wanted to narrate stories. Fun little fact. I actually won uh, a contest and I remember it was, uh, I think, freshman or sophomore year. Sophomore year of high school, we, we had to do a reading competition. Funny enough, the name, of, the name of the competition, because of, I think, the first winner back in the day, a woman named Nancy, it was called the Miss Nancy Award. And let me tell you, if you walk into a room full of people who are going to hire you, especially if they're uh, men who have something uh, insidious to prove... If you tell them you won the Miss Nancy Award, <laughs> you might get some antagonism thrown your way. But uh, I did. I won proudly. I even have a little statuette with that, you know, naked gold dude holding the laurels to his chest. That the typical Oscar kind of thing, and it says Miss Nancy Award, 1999 or 2000, whenever it was. The thing is, uh, quite coolly and and terrifically, I I learned over time how much pleasure it gives me to read things aloud, to give characters their voices, to maintain a narrative voice that keeps the story along, something designed to sound good on the ears, uh, but not just be a soothing voice to put you to sleep. In fact, I really hope I don't put you to sleep. I hope to keep you awake in some interesting storytelling. So... As of now, we have two episodes out, and each story is an episode. So we have Kurt Vonnegut's To Be or Not To Be, and Philip K. Dick's The Eyes Have It. Sorry, I had a moment there where I was like, what story did we do again by Mr. Philip K. Dick? Um, and these, of course, are two godfathers of sci-fi. And um, a lot of the stories we're doing, particularly because we're in Halloween month, they all have uh, things on the supernatural and or creepy and or mysterious side of things. So one way we've been describing the show is it's the Twilight Zone of audiobooks. And then I went one daring step further and said, and I'm the Rod Serling of the show, to which Silent Chris in a not-so-silent moment quipped, more like the Ron Howard. <laughs> this, this, is, this is Ron Howard hosting Twilight Zone. Picture a place beyond time and, uh, oh, 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 oh no, thank you. I, I, I don't smoke. It, it, it's bad for your health. Uh, but something weird happens in this zone. It's kind of, it's kind of strange. And, uh, well, you'll have to see for yourself. The Twilight Zone. That would be very, very funny. Um, so yes, Ron Howard, Rod Serling, Rod Stewart, Rod Taylor. Whatever you want, I can probably do a voice to match 
one of those guys. And any guy or a gal, because boy, you're in for some cool voices on these uh, projects as well. Uh, one of my complaints about a lot of audiobooks is they it literally sounds like a dude or a dudette reading, just reading to you, and like with no variation. I'm going outside, he said. Do you want anything from the store? No thanks, she said, and she went back to watching The Simpsons. It's like, okay, thanks for telling me what's happening, and also thanks for absolutely not sparking my interest and imagination. Now me, I like to do the voices of the characters. I don't like to sound like I'm reading per se, but more sort of telling you what's up. And meh. Why describe it all to death when you can hear it for yourselves? Now, at the moment, you're going to find these on YouTube. And, um, hey, you're listening to this right now, so why tell you some complicated link? All you have to do, my friends, is type in Wild7, W-I-L-D, and the number 7, followed by Storyscapes. All one word, S-T-O-R-Y-S-C-A-P. P-E-S. I'll, I'll give you... So yeah, so Storyscapes. Check it out. We got those two uh, coming out. Um, well, actually already out right now is the Kurt Vonnegut short story and the Philip K. Dick story. And then next week, we got a couple others uh, that I'm really excited about um, because, boy, you get some interesting voices in it. And I'm really proud. I'm going to give a shout out right now to one of our new members aboard, Emily Zapata. Your work is phenomenal. Oh my gosh. She is a really, really cool, hardworking artist amongst the troops now. And she has been just making gold out of what I bring her, which is just my silly old voice just spinning yarn after yarn and she has been scoring events to the pace of my voice she is a sound effect sound effects wizard and she is crafting some amazing soundscapes so i'm really excited to show her work in the following week and i will of course re-sing the praises very much uh owed and due to her um in uh in the week in which they are launched but i'm basically just saying folks i'm really excited for this project i hope you all enjoy it and uh once we get these up on an rss feed you'll be able to hear it just like these episodes on your podcasting platforms of choice and speaking of the podcast for this one we're also now uploading all the it war episodes what's it war well come on haven't you been listening to the show no if you if you don't know what it war is it's just my silly acronym for my show in the words of alex rogers um so i i shorten that to i-t-w-a-r and it kind of looks like it war we don't know what the it is but there's a war going on and frankly i'd rather have a war over the it than some war which actually costs lives and resources but um, we are finally uploading the episodes. Now, we're going back to the beginning. So currently on YouTube, you can hear some of the very first ones I did, which, boy, I just can't even imagine I'm at all relating to those thoughts because we change every day, my friends. But for posterity's sake, you can go also to YouTube and type in that wild seven and also put in it war, I-T-W-A-R. And you will most likely find my episodes there. Um, 
we're just trying to diversify, you know? I'm, I'm very, very pleased that a lot of you are listening on these podcast programs. And, you know, some of y'all, it makes sense. I mean, I, when I'm working at home, but I want to have YouTube open, it's just, it's there and it's playing whatever. So I can only imagine a lot of you get your podcasting stuff off of YouTube. So, um, no video, I'm afraid, on these. It's just, it's just the old, the old voce. Um, just, just yakking away on all my words. So I hope you, uh, I hope that's enough. But they are uh, being made available. We're putting about two a week out. And once we catch up to this episode, which I think we're on number 39 this time, uh, well, then we're going to be concurrent with the podcast platforms as well as the YouTube platform. The YouTube. This is a tube for you. Now get down and boogie. So, what else, my... Lovely companions. Let me just look at some notes here. I really, truly am, like, spent in my mind. Um, well, you know, there, there's some stuff that I wanted to talk about here to sort of fill you all in. You know, it's been some interesting weeks after that whole dad stuff went down. Refer to episode 37 if you're thinking, huh? But um, I even, uh, if you guys want to hear sort of the story retold, but with a few new perspectives. I took this tale to the Wild 7 podcast itself, and I sat down with, uh, wow, with actually kind of the all-star group, the Avengers, the ga- the Guardians of the Galaxy, if you will, of uh, our Wild 7 network. I sat down with Mr. Nas Red, with uh, the fearless queen of the company, April Mendoza, um, the uh, wise relationship kung fu master, Ashley Mendoza, and even our fearless Captain Morgan, who ha- also, by the way, Captain Morgan did the sound design for the Philip K. Dick story that we did, The Eyes Have It. So again, I am so proud of our new members who have been doing excellent work. So we had quite quite a cool group uh, sitting there, and I told the tale once again. How I tell it is pretty much similar in actual words I use and series of events that I described on the very episode I did myself on this show. What was interesting about this episode, doing it on Wild 7, is that I got the perspective from people like Ashley and April and Morgan, who we're looking at sort of the content of what my dad wrote and how he carries himself. And um, there were some really interesting observations that they made, which I thought broadened uh, upon the very things I brought up on this show. So if you can stomach that story one more time, if you're at all interested, tune in to the Wild 7 podcast. Now, what's interesting too, folks, is I've now made this story very public to whatever the public consists of right now. I truly don't know. I haven't looked at the analytics, so I like to joke that there's about three of you listening. But what if one of those three was you, Dad? Are you listening to me? And have you at all somehow become privy to my show? I have a feeling he doesn't know about Wild 7 or the podcasting world that I'm doing, but let's say he does somehow... Uh, become aware of it. You know, he's going to hear all of this. And even though I feel completely in the right, and not just in a righteous way, but in a sort of, no, this is sort of karmically what you get. You tried to 
assassinate my character on a public platform such as YouTube, and you had no qualms leaving a hurtful message for anyone and everyone to read on my public platform, well, then on my public platform in a different way, in a podcasting way, I'm going to have to say it how it is about you. The difference is, is that I'm not fishing too deep. You were quite desperate, Pops, in what you were trying to lay on me. Well, there's just some simple observations to now be made regarding you. But what's interesting too, folks, is as... I don't, I don't, I don't want to say at peace, because that's not the word. This, it's going to be a while before I feel at peace. But I should just say I'm content with having talked about this in a public way. I'm actually very okay with many of you who are strangers, some of you who will never meet me, and I won't meet you. But I truly hope that this story about my father is serving you in some sort of life direction, look at yourself deeply as you go kind of way. These things are fucking complicated, though, man, because I really am clear on how flawed the man is And I'm also trying to, like, how do you balance the memories of somebody who you know to be, shall we say, unfit to participate in your world? They no longer can be in your spiritual house without breaking all the furniture, so they got to go. That's just the reality. How do you, though, balance the memories that are legitimately good. Because as much as I really do recognize how absolutely fucked my old man is, there are some truly genuine positive memories that I have. And they're simple things. You know, honestly, usually when that guy and I were getting along, it was over something really simple, yet bonding like watching a movie together, listening to an album together. I mean, this guy introduced me to Jimi Hendrix. I used to watch Miami Vice with him. Back in the day, too, folks, we're talking, this is, at this point, it's like the mid to late 80s, and I'm way too young to be watching this show, but I do remember just watching it and getting even a feeling of dad kind of being a guy and just enjoying a show. And quite honestly, it's when he got into that that space of being a guy that I liked him most. But what do you do with that? Someone who has really by their own actions proven to you that they just cannot healthily interact with you anymore or ever again. What do you do with those good memories? I'm not into burning them up. I don't want to discount the times that, you know, this is the really sad part, folks. I think the old man does love me. Even if he is a narcissist, and even if narcissists clinically cannot feel love, they're still human beings, and I'm sure they still have something as complicated as it is, but there's something underneath all of that abusive, cruel energy that wishes or knows that there is some kind of tie to humanity that is akin to love, they just don't know how to express it or indeed how to keep that flame consistent. And furthermore, to not let that flame snuff out too soon 
or burn the entire fucking house down. I know in some ways that what my dad was trying to do was get in contact with me. But through this sickness, through this dissonance, through this bullshit, he comes at me with this abusive energy. And you know, I'm, I'm looking back, there's, there's photos of us when I'm a kid, and of course I loved the man. You know, there's something that I think we can all relate to, and correct me if I'm wrong, folks, but maybe you can relate to this one. I, I, when I think back, I wanted to love my parents. I think we start out as children saying, okay, you brought me into this, I'm going to do my best to be a team player. And no, I'm not talking about the times when you're just too young to know better and you're crying all the time and making a big fuss and making a big mess. I'm talking about when you're a little bit older, but still a kid, and you really do want to love your parents. Sometimes you're lucky, and both of them are lovable. And I was half lucky, because for everything I criticize my father on, I honestly can say that my bond was, is, and shall remain quite special and truly strong with my mother. I mean, she really was, there's this term uh, that I've heard in the therapy world, a gem, G-E-M, a good enough mother, which is what we really just ask for as a bare minimum. Well, she was more than good enough. I'd say my mom is exceptional. So again, I'm very thankful to her. And was it perfect? Of course not. My mom made mistakes too. I've made mistakes towards my mother. But we, as we get older, we've talked about it like adults more and more and more. I was just remarking to a friend the other day how it blows my mind that now, well, you heard it for yourselves, folks. When I had my mom on the show, we were speaking like true adults, you know? We, we, the older I get, it's kind of fascinating to see that my mother hasn't at all lost her love for me as if I were her, still her little boy. And yet she recognizes the man that I'm becoming and she is speaking to me as such. Not babying me, not putting me down, and also not expecting unrealistic things from me as we sometimes do. God, especially some of y'all do that to your, like, preteens. Lord knows my dad did it to me when I was 14. He was like, you are a man now, so stop that crying. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, folks, I'm still working through this. I dare say I'll be working through this for a while now. I don't know, man. I go in and out of numb feelings. I go in and out of angry feelings. I go in and out of not regretful, but just sort of wondering like, God, did it have to be this? Did my dad have to be that fucked? You know, I'm fascinated telling you about all this stuff, folks, but I'm not like actively proud. I I do get eager and kind of in awe that because I, even I know the juicy content that is this dad situation. But when I really look at it, I'm not proud of this, guys. As a man in this world, I wish I had men who I could truly say I look up to. I mean, I look to fictional people, usually, 
either characters that were written or personae that I perceive to be good, but who knows, they're probably scumbags like everyone else, but you know, like celebrities or characters. I've had to find my own role models because there aren't a lot of good men for me. This is just me talking here, folks. Some of you have amazing fathers. Some of you have had really good male role models, and that's awesome. Just speaking for myself, I don't know what the universe is trying to tell me or have been or, or has wanted me to find out, but the cards dealt to me, boy, lot of chump ass unrealized dudes in adult bodies who really didn't get it. Because there are others I've encountered in my life very similar to my father, just grown ass men who are little boys and don't know how to express themselves. <laughs> this is the best way I can put it right now. Yeah. Very odd. Very strange. In terms of the old memories, you know, the camping trips, the skiing trips, the, you know, there were, there were some good conversations I'd have with my old man. I would ask him about history, about... um. You know, how I mean, the guy taught me how to uh, handle the ocean. We'd go out swimming in the ocean, and he helped me tackle some of those waves with uh, greatly reduced fear, because there's a way to do it, which you work with the ocean, not against it. I mean, there was some good stuff that the guy did impart to me. I just really think that he did have the option at all times to keep it cool. And he didn't. And that's what's so unfortunate about a sickness like narcissism or whatever it is he has that I, I fucking will put what little money I have on it that he's definitely got or something close to it. Isn't it a shame? Sorry, as I hit my pop filter here. Isn't it just a shame that mental illness is exactly that? Why can't there be like a fun mental illness Mental illness makes people aggressive, angry, moody, and quite frankly, at the end of the day, harmful to themselves and others. Why can't there be mental illnesses that make you abundantly considerate, astronomically kind, ebulliently grateful? I mean, we kind of have to do that work for ourselves. I was I was having a great conversation with the, the lovely and powerful and ever-present Inca Rose. And she was telling me that, you know, when we have, we have options at all times to be good, the thing is they're glimmers. And the options that are there for us to just kind of do stupid shit, it's a lot louder. And sometimes it looks a lot more, well, you know, imagine that. You got a very healthy salad, but it's kind of crisp and cold and simple. Or you could have this dripping cheeseburger that's just lush and begging for you to just sink your teeth into it, but may not be the healthier choice. Well, actually, I'm all for cheeseburgers. That's A cheeseburger is not narcissism. But, you know, just sort of a, a choice uh, where you could be hateful and cruel and um, the evidence is in the fact that your family members are looking everything from terrified to scared to shocked to numb. And by the way, you see the tears falling down their face in the moment in front of you. You can make a different choice. You can go the kindness route now, but nah. 
feels way too good and comfy to get into that shit. But I was bemoaning to Inca Rose, God, why does it have to be just a glimmer, that, that positive choice? In some way, I wish the fist of God would come in and punch fools to, to make them make the great choice. And she, of course, the wise sorceress that she is, she said, well, that's not how good choices work. It's, it's too easy if we were just guided by the hand of the universe to make the right decision at all times. It's kind of supposed to be harder to make the better choice because by making a better choice in response to or shall we say in contrast away from a lower hanging fruit a lower vibrational choice then you're actually building your character and this i dare say if we even want to take it to a theological arena is where we go into free choice or free will Yeah, you can do anything you want, but if you want to do the cool, cool thing, it's going to require a choice and an action on your part. And that cool, cool thing sometimes is a hint of a glimmer outside of a lot of distraction, which is just begging for you to fuck up all the time. How interesting. How fucking interesting. Well, one other thought here folks, because nothing in this episode is really connecting. We're just going off of things I've listed here. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit about comedy, which is something I very much care about. And it's an odd thing because I don't watch comedy movies, really. I just, I don't. I don't find many movies that are supposed to be funny, actually funny. The comedy I love is stand-up. Stand-up comedy has me in stitches, and it also can sometimes blow your mind, and you feel like you're almost watching uh, something more powerful than comedy. But I wanted to talk about that, because people perceive sometimes way more in comedy than is healthy to perceive. And as I lay down this episode, the great Dave Chappelle has dropped... A new, and in his own words, this might be my last special for a minute. Uh, But yeah, it's a new special called The Closer. And I really dug it. I've loved all of his uh, specials of late, especially that one from 2019, uh, Sticks and Stones. God damn, I loved that one. And I really like this one. That one was like a fiery fucking climactic punch, and this one is like the come-down epilogue after Sticks and Stones. So it's not boring the way maybe some epilogues, or anticlimactic the way some epilogues might feel, but this is very much a sort of setting the record straight, and I think, folks, you should just see it. I don't want to talk too much about it, but one reason I'm mentioning it is because, like everything else he's been doing over the last many years... It's got a lot of people heated and angry, and they're saying things that I feel like you wouldn't be saying about him if you truly watched the special and you really see what he is talking about. And comedy is an arena in which you can say outlandish things that are not true that nevertheless blow open a truth door. 
And it blows my mind that we have grown adults in this world who don't understand comedy, get offended by comedy, and proceed to hope to ruin the comedian's life. Over jokes, folks. Over jokes, folks. I wish we lived in a country where if you don't like comedy, that's it. That's all it is to it. I didn't find it funny. Moving on. But no, now we live in a world where not only is it not funny, it offended me and I'm going to try to cancel you so you can't work and you can't eat and will also decide that you're evil. That really pisses me off and it scares me. And uh, a lot of people are saying this, that, and the other thing about Dave Chappelle. I'm not here to defend him. I think he did a perfectly fine job himself. In fact, I don't think he needs to be defended. He's pretty damn set in his ways in a good way, I'd say. He doesn't owe anything to any blood money or giants that keep him on a string. He's he's pretty well self-fueled. So he doesn't need my defense at all. But I, I do feel like he is defending comedy. And I want to defend comedy as well. Because it's an art form that I'm scared is going to be killed in U.S. America. And I'm not being... Uh, hyperbolic, I feel, in saying that. I really feel like this is a true problem that's been happening. People who have no ability to be funny, who don't actually understand how comedy works, are making executive decisions on what is or not allowed to be said on stage. Now, people are saying a lot of his jokes are transphobic or anti-trans. I don't see that. I see him making jokes, sure, but sorry, are we not allowed to make jokes about anyone? He brings up a very good point. He makes it better than I'm about to bring it, but people are like, stop punching down. I hate that term as much as he does, because what do you mean by punching down? Are you saying trans people are, by their nature, down? What you're saying to us, if we're not allowed to make fun of groups of people who you think we're punching down, you're admitting in that sentence, these are poor, helpless people who aren't really participating members in society, so you can't make fun of them. Look at them. They're so poor and helpless. If you make fun of them, you're punching down. No. There's no punching down or up. You're punching what's in front of you. That's what you're doing as a comedian. You're kind of a boxer with words. And I really fucking care about open, free speech. I, I love America so much because I get to say how much I fucking hate it. That's how I love America because I get to say live to you all on my podcast, in my opinion, I fucking hate this country. And in saying that, I affirm my love for it because I get to say that about this country. It's my free speech. Now, look. He's making jokes, sure, but if you really listen, he's making jokes about hypocritical white America. Now, I'd like to just put one little thing out there to you folks, and I'm going to leave you with this too. Now, some of this might be a little bombshelly of a reveal to you, uh, but hey, it'll keep you attached or and curious, perhaps, to hear more for the next episode. Now, two truths. One will not be a surprise, and one might be a surprise. I'll start with the first one. 
Now, I'm a white man. Okay, that's not the controversial thing. None of you are going to be left sleepless after hearing that, because you all should be quite aware of that by now. But if indeed, and he says to him, he even says in his special, I'm, and I'm not mad about this and that and the other thing. I'm mad about white people. Don't you think I should therefore go, oh, you are? Well, then I, how dare you, Dave Chappelle? I was laughing the whole time until you mentioned you're mad at white people. And I'm a white person, so now I must take this personally. Fuck that. I hate white people too, and I'm white. Now, I don't hate people, I don't hate white people just on principle, but when white, uppity, privileged people are flashing their cards and being hypocritical and causing mayhem when they think they're being voices of free, liberal thinking, and they're not, or let's look at the other side, or indeed just outright hateful people who aren't masking it with liberal uh, words and in fact are just, nope, I hate this and fuck you all. Either side of how you're presenting the hate, you got that white protection card. I hate that shit too. And I say that as a white man who has the option every day to flash his white card and that embarrasses me. I don't like having a white card. I don't like when people who look like me are uppity and make major decisions that affect groups of people and how they will be employed and how they will live their lives. I don't like that shit. So when I see someone make fun of them, I feel good about it. It makes me feel like, yeah, go for it. So when Dave Chappelle says, I'm fucking mad at white people, I don't get mad at that. I'm like, yeah, tell me about it. Please, please I'd love to know more. Because I know where he's coming from. He's not saying I hate white people, therefore you as a race need to fucking go. If you live in America, you must know what it means when we talk about fucking white people this and fucking white people that. You must be aware of what we're talking about. We're not talking about you and your nice neighbors who are doing the best you can. We're talking about a power structure that keeps people in hell. Now, here's the other little part of this truth. I'm not um, trans myself. I am a cisgender male, as I believe is the most politically correct way for me to say it, which means I was born with male parts, and I kept the male parts, and I identify with this body that keeps male parts, so I am a cisgender male. That is C-I-S, I believe that is either Greek or Roman, or Roman, Latin, uh, I forget which one, but I believe it means uh, uh, something like same, or just the point is it's it's what you were born with, you identify with. So I'm that guy, okay? But I've dated trans women. Now that's the big bombshell truth that I'm leaving you with at the end of this episode, because some of you might be going, wait, wait, what, huh? And uh, I'll tell you about that another time. This ain't quite the episode to get into that. For one thing, we've run out of time already, but also, ah, why not leave you with a little teaser? I'll tell you about that eventually, but in short, my friends, it's as simple as this. I love women, and as I have grown and met more women, I've met different kinds of women. And at the end of the day, it's about somebody who you're attracted to. And there happen to have been a few women with whom I have loved, related, and romanced. And they are trans. So I have actually befriended, fallen in love with, and shared my entire body, 
mind, and spirit with who are trans women. Don't you think that even though I myself am not trans, don't you think I would have the right to be a little bit more in the front of the line of reactionary hatred towards Dave Chappelle? Because believe you and me, when I do hear hate speech towards trans people, I do stand up and I do say something because I am an ally and I have loved with every fiber of my being two trans women in my life thus far. So of course I am an ally. And of course I defend them. And of course I will champion them if it needs that. But I do not have to champion, defend, nor speak up for them. For Mr. Dave Chappelle, what he's saying, it's not worthy of that. I know where he's coming from. It's goddamn funny. And there's nothing in me going, well, what not? no, hold on, hold on. I, 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 I feel a certain way about this. I just feel like, uh, hey, some of you who are all uppity, do you know truly any trans people? Have you befriended one? Have you romanced with one? Have you shared your life with them? Or is are, are these still fictional people in your world and you just want to join the newest shock wagon and you don't... All of this is to say, actually know a little bit more about trans women and actually watch... Chappelle's show, uh, uh, new stand-up, really see the jokes he's doing, and understand they're all jokes, people. I need all of you to stop comparing comedians directly to politicians. There's one major difference between a politician and a comedian. Even though they both stand on a stage, they both command a room full of people, and they both speak in public speech arenas, that will sway and influence the minds of people. But you know what the big difference is? If I make a goofy voice on stage and it's an accent and you think I'm being insensitive towards a group of people, well, this is where you get to be right. You can say, I I find that kind of not my thing and it's not funny what he's doing. Okay, we can leave it at that and I'll agree with you on that. But whatever goofy voice I do on stage as a comedian... That ain't going to determine the socioeconomic reality of groups of people who are actually at risk under the vulture auspices of politicians. So I need all of you to start getting angry at the right people because comedians, though they are incredibly influential on emotions, that's all they're doing. They're stirring up your mind and your emotions. I'm sorry if you feel like you got to go to war against a comedian, but you are getting your priorities twisted. Know what you're fucking talking about. Know a trans person, know what comedy is, and then really see if all of this is offensive or not. I'll tell you all about this, that, and the other thing more at another time. But now you know even more about me, and I'm happy and proud to have done so. In the mean in between, thank you for your time. Thank you for your rhyme.
In the Words of Alex Rogers is a podcast orbiting the mothership of Wild 7 Studios. Music by Inca Rose. Keep your ears open for storyscapes, simpin' after dark, and other audio goodies from Wild 7. And keep your eyes open for its first feature-length film, Debbie and the Devil.